0: Hello, market participants. It's Friday, and Jay Powell is not scheduled to speak, so you can relax. Welcome to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we'll bring to your attention three things that we think are relevant to credit markets that you should know about. Let's get started. This week, our three things are, one, Citadel is the latest non-bank financial to access the investment-grade capital markets. Two, the pandemic has pushed what was investors' single largest concern, rising geopolitical risk, to the backseat. Well, it's rising again. Don't lose sight of it. And three, no one seems to be worried about COVID-19 going sideways. Well, two experts think you should. We'll tell you what they have to say. All right, let's dig a little deeper. On to our first thing. This past week, KBRA rated Triple B Flat $600 million of senior unsecured notes issued by Citadel Finance, an affiliate of Citadel Advisors, the global hedge fund with over $33 billion in assets under management. Proceeds will be used for general investment purposes by three of the firm's feeder funds. The notes will be guaranteed severally and not jointly by the guarantor funds, which have been assigned issuer ratings from KBRA of triple B flat. The rated funds are highly diversified, multi-strategy hedge funds that collectively have $23.6 billion of investment capital dynamically allocated across Citadel's various strategies. Since inception, the flagship Wellington fund has generated positive returns in more than 80% of months with an annualized net return of 18.9%. And by the way, that's over 30 years. The $600 million issuance represents a small incremental increase in leverage for the guarantor funds, and the funds maintain a robust amount of excess liquidity, historically well in excess of 30% of total NAV. To arrive at the ratings, KBRA augmented its investment fund debt global rating methodology with elements of KBRA's global asset manager methodology and securities firm global rating methodology. You can find the report on our website, kbra.com. It's free. All you have to do is register. We bring the transaction to your attention, as we did the Golub Capital deal last week or an Aries Capital deal the prior week, to highlight investment-grade access to the debt capital markets by prominent members of the non-bank financial system that have largely grown up in the wake of the global financial crisis. Now, Citadel, of course, has been around much longer than that. But these firms have successfully carved out roles by capturing share from more traditional competitors through implementing better technology, exploiting market inefficiencies, and or stepping into spaces made more challenging for legacy financial institutions by their regulators. For relatively new entrants to establish franchise value and avoid adverse selection is challenging in its own right. In a financial world where information is digitized and democratized, and where the playing field is dominated by very large entrenched competitors with powerful brand equity. But those that can credibly demonstrate that franchise value and a strong risk management culture can achieve investment-grade ratings, which will help to offset cost-of-capital disadvantages that otherwise might exist. In the private credit space, it helps that banking regulators have guided the banks away from riskier parts of leveraged business and commercial real estate lending, And in the hedge fund world, having a strong 30-year track record has enabled Citadel, in the words of KBRA's research report, to attract and retain capital as well as top-tier investing talent, drive favorable terms with lenders, prime and prime brokers, and counterparties, as well as invest in technology and other infrastructure to build a more institutional alternative investment firm. Now, we continue to shed light on the durability and impact of the growing non-bank financial sector as it is one of the legs, along with the banks and the capital markets, in the three-legged stool that supports the financial system. Along those lines, there is this quote from General Manager Augustin Karstens of the Bank for International Settlements regarding non-banks. In many cases, they have reached systemic importance. Now, in this environment of rebounding growth and an ideal financial conditions, you will certainly see a steady flow of debt from successful non-banks. All right, on to our second thing, the rise in hotspots around the globe. Now, with every changeover in presidents, you can expect a flare-up in hotspots around the world as friend and foe test the incoming administration to see where they stand. And as presidential turnovers go, the latest was fairly stark in terms of the contrast in how foreign policy is approached. Trump's more unpredictable transactional style loosely gathered under an America First label had the effect of breaking down global alliances while adopting a highly selective strategy of confrontation in places like China and Iran. Traditional American values, such as promoting human rights and spreading democracy, took a backseat to economic issues from a policy perspective. Biden, on the other hand, is more of an internationalist, believing in the power of diplomacy and international alliances to address global problems, be it climate change or a rogue state. Human rights and spreading democracy have moved back up to the front seat. Now Both approaches create tension within the established world order. Trump's willingness to publicly confront and a predilection for upsetting the proverbial apple cart led to a structural rise in geopolitical risk, as measured by Mateo Ayacavello's Geopolitical Risk Index. And while the changeover to Biden's more traditional diplomatic approach may have lowered the temperature, his return to promoting American morality and exceptionalism will not be welcomed by many. He has inherited, to quote the title of Richard Haas' book, A World in Disarray. Now, we bring this up because increasingly unsettled geopolitics was the number one concern among investors prior to the pandemic. Now that we are moving on to what we all hope is the final phase of the health crisis, those geopolitical tensions are returning to the fore. A quick survey of recent events include the U.S. and Iranian backed militias exchanging rocket attacks in Syria, the U.S. releasing an intelligence report blaming the Saudi crown prince of orchestrating the assassination of a Washington Post journalist, the U.S. accusing China of genocide of Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities the U.S. imposing sanctions on certain Russian government officials and entities in response to the treatment of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, and a sweeping hack of unprecedented proportions into U.S. government and corporate IT systems that the U.S. believes is likely Russian in origin. Needless to say, but this represents a full plate of concerns to pile on top of uncertainty related to the pandemic, which we will touch on in a moment. We believe the geopolitical risk is under accounted for in markets today. All right, on to our third thing. Are we still thinking through the risks of the pandemic? Now, there was a time not that long ago where we actually thought about the degree of the demand shock brought on by COVID nineteen. Then Pfizer Day hit in November, and a broad consensus developed that had us looking across the valley to a post pandemic world where pent up spend freshly fueled by another couple of trillion dollars in stimulus, would be unleashed. Concern quickly moved to rising rates and an overheating economy. The Atlanta Fed's GDP Now estimate, remember it's not a forecast, it's a nowcast, has become as closely watched as flows into Kathy Wood's funds. The Q1 GDP Now estimate for GDP growth now sits at 10% exclamation point. Up from 5.2% back on January 29th. And credit spreads, of course, have largely been on a one way train since March 23rd. The formula backing all of this remains stimulus as needed, plus a super accommodative Fed, plus midsummer 2021 herd immunity equals a powerful new economic recovery. No one, it seems, is thinking about the possibility that this might change. But that's what we're here for, to keep you honest. By the way, in a report we wrote back in January, titled How Does Credit Break in 2021, cited the risk of the vaccines not doing everything markets believe they would. Along that line, two recent items caught our eye. The first thing was an interview done on Firing Line. Remember Firing Line? With Dr. Michael Osterholm Director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota and an advisor to President Biden, he characterized the so-called UK variant B one one seven, a Category five or higher hurricane sitting offshore. He believes the next fourteen weeks, and his interview took place February nineteenth, would be the worst of the pandemic, and that got my attention. I don't think markets are factoring that possibility into current valuations. Then I tripped across a Reuters article the other day that highlighted that Dr. Chris Murray, who runs the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, and whose projections of COVID infections and deaths are well respected around the world, had updated his forecast to incorporate two new variants, B117 and B1351, the South African version. I couldn't sleep after seeing the data, he told Reuters. In his worst-case scenario, freshly updated, he believes deaths could rise to 654,000 in the U.S. by May 1st, with a resurgence in the spring in Florida and California in particular. Maybe we would throw in 100% open Texas into the mix. He added that herd immunity is unlikely to be a factor in slowing transmission in the coming months, even with vaccination campaigns ramping up. The reason? He's also concerned that 25% of Americans would reject a vaccine, and another 25% are unsure. Now, to be fair, he does acknowledge that the scientific community is not standing still. Vaccine developers are working on booster shots and new vaccines targeting the variants. But we certainly do not know how to handicap this, and that's been part of this story throughout. The virus has continued to surprise, as has the scientific community's success in dealing with it. But safe to say there is not broad consensus that all is well on the pandemic front. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, KBRA's report on Citadel finance shows a path by which successful hedge funds can be rated investment grade. Two, don't lose sight of geopolitical risk. It didn't disappear with Donald Trump. And three, don't lose sight of the possibility that COVID-19 variants can delay to some degree the economic recovery. Thanks for joining. Go safely into the weekend. And as always, let us know what you think. And don't forget to check in on our website, kbra.com, for our latest research. See you next week.